Well, good morning and thank you for joining us for worship today. It is Easter Sunday. Everything in our faith hinges on this event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Apart from the resurrection, we have no faith, we have no hope, and we have no life. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we can have hope. I love what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. What we are talking about today doesn't just have implications for the here and now, but it has implications for our entire eternity. It's amazing to think that today is celebrated around the world as the most important holiday of the Christian faith. And in the Gospel accounts, we have four separate stories that portray the resurrection. And each story gives us different insights into the details of what happened. In Matthew, we see that the women arrive at the tomb and there is an earthquake. And in Mark, the women show up to prepare the body and the tomb had already been rolled away. And in John's Gospel, some of the disciples go in and they see the clothes lying in the tomb. But today I want us to look at a story of the resurrection that is not actually the resurrection account, but an event that happened shortly after the resurrection. This is Luke's perspective in chapter 24, and it's called the story on the way to Emmaus, where two relatively unknown disciples are on a journey walking, discussing the events that happened previously that day. So we will be this morning in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other, about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you were holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back, saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see." And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. 
And he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. I'd like to make just a few observations from this text this morning. Number one, I want you to see that humanity is born spiritually blind. The setting of this story takes place on a journey towards a small village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And imagine for a moment being one of these disciples, having already heard and experiencing the fact that Jesus was no longer in his tomb and having this seven-mile walk to unpack the events of earlier that day. At this point in the story, Mary Magdalene, Mary, and Joanna had all been told by the angel that Jesus was alive. But many people at this point were still skeptical of these claims. And these two disciples in our story today were equally as skeptical of what they had heard about the resurrection of Jesus. And it is in the midst of this skepticism and doubt that Jesus comes into the story and begins walking with these two disciples. And they don't recognize that it's Jesus. Now here's an important part of the story. The text doesn't tell us that these men just simply didn't recognize Jesus, but that they were kept from recognizing Jesus. That shows us that God was not yet ready to reveal to these men what actually Jesus had accomplished for them. Jesus goes on to ask them as they begin walking together what they were talking about. And both of these disciples look at Jesus stunned. And in a very ironic conversation, they say, Are you really the only person in Jerusalem who does not know what has happened here today? And the reason that's so ironic is because Jesus, of all people, would have been well aware what had happened to himself in the crucifixion and the resurrection. And so there's a bit of irony that Luke gives us here in this passage. It's very ironic that we would find this type of encounter between Jesus and these disciples. These disciples were two unknown disciples in Scripture. One was named Cleopas. It's the only time you ever hear about him in the New Testament. And the other person is never named. But they were kept from recognizing who Jesus was. Right now, in our community and in around the world, there are people who are spiritually blind. They are walking around not truly understanding what it is that Jesus did. If our eternal destination was left solely up to us, we would spend eternity apart from God in hell. 
You see, you and me are incapable of reconciling ourselves to God. But fortunately for us, God knew that that was the case. And He provided another way through the crucifixion and resurrection of His Son. Not only was humanity born spiritually blind, but number two, we see in the text that the facts are not enough. Jesus is once again playing dumb and He knows everything that happened to Him, but He is curious to see the response of these disciples. And they provide a very thorough and knowledgeable response. They said that Jesus was a prophet, mighty in word and deed. They said the Jewish religious leaders delivered Jesus up to be condemned and crucified Him. And so far in the story, everything that these disciples have said about Jesus was true. But they stopped short of recognizing the most important aspect of His story. If you notice in verse 21, you'll see the verb hoped. And what I want you to notice is the tense of which that verb is in. It is in the imperfect tense, which means it is referring to something that happened in the past. What these disciples are communicating is that at one time they did have hope that Jesus was the one, but now they no longer hope. They were hoping that Jesus would be the Messiah, the one who would come and redeem Israel, the one that would come and overthrow the Roman government and restore the Jews to power and prestige. And so when he experienced a humiliating death on the cross, many Jewish people of the day lost hope and no longer believed that Jesus was the Messiah because He didn't come in power and in fame. Instead, He came in humility and serving other people. Many people, and perhaps even some of you today, much like the Jewish people of Jesus' day, misunderstand who it is that Jesus actually is. He is not a political ruler. He is not a military warrior. Yes, He had the ability and the power to do that, but He gave it all up and He humbled Himself and became obedient to death on a cross, one of the most inhumane ways a person could die. These disciples knew that the women showing up at the tomb and seeing that Jesus' body was not there, they still were not able to connect the dots to Jesus' resurrection. Jesus lived, He performed miracles, He died, and He had been resurrected. And both of these disciples were not understanding. I love what one commentary mentioned this week as I was studying. It says that these men knew the facts of the gospel, but they didn't yet recognize the face of the gospel. How many people today do we think can give us all of the facts regarding the gospel story. Where we live in the deep south, almost everybody believes in Jesus. Everyone can tell you that he was a good teacher who performed miracles, who died on a cross and was resurrected. But the facts are simply not enough. It has to mean something to us personally. There was a book written some years ago by two sociologists called Soul Searching. And in that book, 
they lay out the tenets of what they believed was the most primary belief system that Americans have today. And it's a big fancy word, and it's called moralistic therapeutic deism. So don't get caught up on what it actually means, but listen to the tenets of what those beliefs actually are. Here's what that belief system says. Number one, God exists. He created the world and He watches over human beings. Number two, God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and in most other world religions. Number three, the goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. Number four, God does not need to be involved in your life except when God is needed to solve a problem. And number five, good people go to heaven when they die. Every one of those beliefs that I just shared with you is a common belief amongst many Americans today. And every one of those tenets that I just shared with you has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many, many people today are deceived in believing that as long as they know the facts about Jesus, when they die, they will be in eternity with Him forever. And that is not what the Bible teaches. Number three, though, I want to encourage everyone who is listening that the gospel, the true message of salvation, is enough. After these men explained to Jesus everything that had happened, He responds out of frustration. The prophets had spoken of everything that would happen to Jesus years earlier. In fact, even Jesus himself in the Gospels predicts his own death and his own resurrection. And yet the disciples do not understand what Jesus is talking about. I want to give you just two examples from the Old Testament that point forward to Jesus. The first one is Isaiah 53, 5 which says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And then in the book of Ezekiel chapter 36, it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I could go on and on today showing you how prophecy after prophecy, text after text in the Old Testament is pointing forward to what Jesus will accomplish in his death and resurrection. Luke tells us in this passage that Jesus begins with Moses. And he goes through all of the scriptures, interpreting to these two disciples and connecting all of the dots about how Jesus is the one that all of the prophets were talking about. The text doesn't tell us how long this takes, but you can imagine on a seven-mile walking journey to a village how much time Jesus would have had to unpack all of the scriptures from the Old Testament that point to him. Jesus' explanation of himself and all of the scriptures point to the fact that he is the one 
who had to come and die. What is Jesus modeling for us in this actual passage? Well, what he's modeling for us is that the Word of God is valuable. A person's decision to follow after Jesus cannot simply be rooted just in some religious experience. It should be rooted in what the Bible says about what happened to Jesus in the Gospels. The only way we know about the good news of salvation is because we are able to read the Gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and find out that what in fact Jesus did for us is true and has value for us. The only true gospel is rooted in what the Bible says about Jesus. So, that begs the question, what is the gospel? And here it is very simply. It is that God created the world perfect and good. And human beings distorted that perfection and distorted that goodness. And we sinned. And sin is ignoring or rejecting God's laws and God's commandments for how He desires us to live. But God knew this was going to happen. And so even though you and me sinned and fell short of God's standard, God provided another way. And the good news is that other way was Jesus. And He came and lived a perfect life. And even though you and me deserve to face eternal judgment and separation from God because of our sin, Jesus stepped in. And in the cross, the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus instead of us. So Jesus died in our place on the cross for all of the sins that you and me have committed. That is the good news of the gospel. So our response is this, that we simply place our faith and our trust in what Jesus did on the cross for us. And if we do that, when we die, even though we will experience a physical death, we will not experience a spiritual death. And we will be with Jesus forever in eternity. That is the good news of the gospel message. The gospel today, I want everyone to hear me say, is enough to make you right with God. Last in this passage, Jesus wants you to see. As they come to the village, Jesus continued to keep walking. But these disciples, who were probably intrigued by his teaching, encouraged him to stay the night. And they all sat down for a meal. Jesus was the guest at this meal. But in the story, he actually becomes the host. And he takes the bread and he breaks it and he blesses it and he gives thanks to God. And Luke tells us in that moment, Jesus vanishes from the scene. The text does not say that they opened their eyes, but rather in that moment, their eyes were opened. That's passive voice, meaning that something else came in and caused their eyes to be open. What was it? Well, we know that God did this. God is the initiator and the source of our salvation. My sermon today is not going to be what saves you. 
Your church attendance is not going to be what saves you. Your church membership is not going to be what saves you. Luke records for us that as Jesus was teaching to these men about how all of the scriptures were pointing to him, their hearts were burning inside of them. The reality is there are a lot of things that can cause our hearts to burn. A religious experience can cause your heart to burn. Taco Bell can cause your heart to burn. But the reason that these men's heart were burning is because the Spirit of God was convicting them. Jesus, who in the Gospel of John is the Word of God, uses the words of God in the Old Testament to make these disciples understand that in His death and resurrection, they can have life. And they immediately return and they go another seven miles to Jerusalem to tell the rest of the disciples. And what they had seen and heard changed the world forever. They believed. Their lives were transformed because of what Jesus did in his death and in his resurrection. I ask this question today How is your sight today? Are you blind or can you see? You see, the message of the gospel is not rocket science, but it does require our response. You have to respond in faith and respond to what you have heard in the gospel. Do you understand today that apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no hope past this life? But if you will acknowledge that you have sinned, if you will repent of that sin, turn away from that sin and turn to Jesus and trust in what He has done for you in His death and in His resurrection, you can leave today walking in faith and in sight. Trust not in yourself, but in the finished work of Christ on the cross and in His resurrection. Jesus did all of the work that you need to do by dying on the cross. That's the message of the good news. That's the gospel. That's why we celebrate and we cry aloud together today, He is risen. It's the most powerful message that the world has ever heard. And I hope today you have heard it as well. Let's pray. God, what an incredible story about these two lesser-known disciples whose eyes were once closed but became open. God, if there's anybody today who doesn't truly understand the gospel, I pray that through the reading of this passage and through the proclamation of your word that they would come to faith in Christ that they would believe that what you did on the cross for them through your death and in your resurrection is all that they need to be made right with God. May they place their faith and trust in you today. And may their lives be forever changed as a result. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.